Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by the Robert story. <laughs> I've made a terrible fool, fool of myself, which isn't unusual. There you go. That's a good quote. Uh, I just, <laughs> like, the the past couple of uh, months, you guys aren't able to see, but Robert has been changing his username to uh, on this recording to something that is uh, relevant to the title um, or, or a quote or something, so... Joined by Sif Pop editor, The Robert Story. The Robert uh, Story. We do writing and editing stuff for SifPop.com. Movie reviews, best ever challenges, uh, lots of other mo- interesting movie-related articles on the site. So make sure to check out SifPop.com. To keep up with all that, Robert just posted um, The Devil Conspiracy Review. That was uh, <laughs> a recent one. <laughs> Favorite movie of the year. <laughs> I remember like just iconic first lines to that one. You're like... I really had no interest in seeing this, but then I thought, what the heck? Like, <laughs> Basically, I was free one evening. Right. So, uh, so yeah. So, Robert's got that. Uh, I have a couple reviews coming out, but they're just not until March or April. So, anyway, I got some things that I've got planned that I'm working on. Well, that I will be working on once I'm able to view them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... On this podcast, though, we're going to talk about the coming attraction. We've got two movies coming out this week. Um, widely different movies, Cocaine Bear and Luther Fallen Sun. Uh, when we're done talking about those, we will move on to our GOATS topic. The Philadelphia Story uh, is our candidate for GOAT this week. We will discuss whether or not we think it's a GOAT. And uh, after that, we will explore the B-plot. Um, a question that Frank submitted that was movie where the director is also a you know an actor in it. And we, you know. I said lead actor, mean you know, meaning not like a cameo. Like I, th- I feel like they have to have more percentage of screen time than, let's say, Quentin Tarantino in Pulp Fiction, which is already like sizable for you know, like even Quentin Tarantino himself being in his own movies. But you know, Hitchcock and Scorsese cameoing doesn't count. So we'll get there, uh, and then we'll wrap up with a spinoff. But first, let's get a chance uh, to talk with Robert a little bit about something. Um, Robert, I wanted to know, will you make? Can you make one bold Oscar prediction? Uh, I think this is as bold as you can get because I don't think this is likely at all. But I think they will learn from the awful ceremonies of the last couple of years and the cer- the show and ceremony itself won't be cringe and they won't come across as if they hate movies. <laughs> I, I said something similar last week where I said like, I don't think there will be anything controversial, but also yeah. it's not going to matter because the the Last of Us finale is airing the same night as the Oscars. And I wonder if they're going to change that, like they like they did with the Super Bowl, like they premiered the Friday night instead. I would be surprised. Oh man, part of, like part of me thinks I would be surprised, but also like I just don't know that the Oscars is big enough. Like Super Bowl is a massive True. global yeah. scale. Oscars is like people don't watch the ceremony anymore, except for you know. Civ pop writers, uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's I. I would be I would be surprised if they did because because it's the finale. I don't think they want it. Oh, I think it was finale, right? Because I think they want everybody to watch it at the same time. So now I, man, part of me is like, I wonder if they would like make it like premiere right after the Oscars. But that, that well, I don't know. The Oscars usually start at like five. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be done by the time the show starts. Because what, what time don't, is the last one? Don't the Oscars eight start at 8? Do they? I don't know. Yeah, they start at 8. I don't know, man. <laughs> like 8 Eastern, at least. No, that, Yeah, that's right. No, I was just thinking 8, eight Eastern. Yeah, so that's 7 Central. That sounds about right. So either way, 
It was I, just, I feel I, like I barely watched the show last year, but like the stuff that I did see, they were making fun of the last duel not being nominated, and yeah. they were like picking on um, Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst, and it was just like this yeah. isn't funny. Just talk about the movies that are nominated. Yeah, um, it's kind of why I probably won't even be really watching this year. I, I'll be driving home as it is, so I don't know <laughs> if I'll be home in time. I wouldn't be watching if I wasn't at the Sposkers, but yeah, like. I'm going to be there. So yeah, I would love to see, I would love to see the Oscars move away from network television. And I know that's like, they think that's the worst thing they could do is, you know, to like, because that's the most accessible to the most amount of people. But it's like what people that don't have HBO are watching the Oscars. Like everybody that's actually watching has a premium streaming service. Right. Or, you know, maybe, maybe they just make it included with prime. Right. And then, yeah, I would love to see like, just, just put the Oscars on there unedited, like and like you know, and on uh, censored, right? Cause, so we can hear Will Smith's full reaction to the joke. Right. <laughs> but it's, but it's like also like again, what kids are watching the Oscars? <laughs> anyway, I think that would be fun. I would like to see. I would like to see HBO take a crack at at airing the Oscars one year. Um, that would be fun. obviously the Academy is not going to let them do anything like crazy and over the top, but like. You know, I think it allows for a little more wiggle room. And anyway, they need to bring back the Nickelodeon slime mm. for the Oscars. Mm. That would save yeah. it. That would save yeah. it. <laughs> the slime mixed with HBO. Well, plus also since HBO debuts all their popular shows on Sunday night, you know, it was Game of Thrones and, it, right, and right. you know, now it's Last of Us, like all their shows premiere on Sunday night. Like they could do it kind of like, you know, the Super Bowl always takes one show and they're like premiering immediately after the Super Bowl. Mm hmm the new episode of new Amsterdam or whatever. I don't know. Like it was a big deal for this is us because the episode that aired after the super bowl was the episode where Jack dies. And like, that was a huge deal. Like to, to, to a, this is us fan me, you know? Yeah. So, and it normally didn't premiere on Sundays, but they're like, guess what? You get two episodes this week. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And then show kind the of only happened. episode of that show I ever uh, saw part of because I was watching it with college roommates. Yeah. And then we just never turned off the TV. <laughs> What a weird, what what an interesting. I wonder how many people have stories like that. <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, it's really funny. Um, last week tonight with John Oliver premiered this week again, and I watched the episode last night. And uh, and he, he was he was making a joke about like uh, I think he was making a joke to Fox News about like how it's not that hard to get your viewership numbers up. He's like just just premiere after the world's biggest show, and it has like Game of Thrones, Secession, and The Last of Us because. <laughs> Because last week tonight always premieres after that. He's like, it's not that hard. Just just make sure you premiere after the biggest show in the world, you know, and immediately after. So <laughs> great. What could Fox News start airing that would be becoming the biggest show in the world? I mean, like Fox's biggest property is probably The Simpsons, right? But like, do people really watch Simpsons like Sunday night when it airs or do they watch it on Hulu sometime throughout the week? Turn on Tucker Carlson after <laughs> after The Simpsons episode. <laughs> That would be interesting. Uh, yeah, like I don't, I don't know, I don't know what shows Fox has anymore. Um, yeah, because I don't know. It, it seems like it seems like no good shows are going to ABC, NBC, CBS, any of them anymore. So, why? Besides Abbott that? Elementary, I don't know of any. But oh, I watched yeah. that on Hulu also. So I, mm-hmm. I like wait for the next day. Sure. Yeah. It was again. NBC is pushing. Eh, maybe not. Not a lot of that. They got some stuff going to Peacock, but not as much. Is as Poker I Face on TV, or is that just a Peacock? No, that's just Peacock. But anyway. Um, so your Oscar prediction is that the Academy will actually give a damn this year? Yeah, basically. That's the, <laughs> that's the generous way of putting it. Instead of saying like, they won't embarrass themselves. 
Yeah. Well, I gave my one bold prediction last week, so I don't feel like I need to get another. Also, because I don't have another. But it was interesting. Adam brought up the BAFTAs coming out and how that was like really shaking a lot of things up because Barry Keoghan won for Banshees of Inishira instead of Brent, like front runners Kiwi Kwan or Kiwi Kwan and um, Brennan Gleason. What else? What else was another one that big, big that shook it up? Carrie Condon was best supporting actor over probably Angela Bassett is the front runner. <laughs> I love that they have Banshees of Inishira in his best British film. It's like eh, close, <laughs> close, close enough. Uh, Kate Blanchett for, Blanchett for Tar. I don't know that that's a big upset. Um, Austin Butler for Elvis. Again, like feels like Brendan Fraser for the whale, but like that's I don't I don't I don't think Austin Butler for winning for Elvis is an upset, right? Like he's still very much in the conversation. I'm not paying attention at all. <laughs> so okay. Uh, oh, oh, to the awards race or to me talking right now? <laughs> no, 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 to the awards race. So I don't know what the fr- what the front runners are. Hey, well, I just yeah. I mean, I don't. I feel like the people that I hear about the front runners from are like fellow Sif pop people. And like, we all want everything everywhere all at once to win. But like, it's hard to think that the Academy is going to pick that over Banshees of Inishir. Um And it or would be picture. hard to fault them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, like I said, I don't know <laughs> what's even, what's even in the front right now. Yeah. I saw a tweet that someone w- wouldn't be surprised if Top Gun still won because everyone, all the Academy members love Tom Cruise for, for saving the movies, quote unquote. And, yeah, there's the Fablemans because Spielberg. Is, who the heck knows? Yeah, who knows? Not me. Well, we will all know on March 12th. I guess this is um, kind of a good way to put it because we are getting close to March. This is the last episode that comes out in February. March 10th or 11th, somewhere around there, um, will be the yearly Oscars a year in review episode coming out. So I have it scheduled for the 11th, but like I might just go ahead and drop it on the 10th that way it gives it a little bit more time so you don't have to listen to it probably just depending on how long it's going to be so shane and alice and i will um, get together and uh either confirm or re-give awards that the um academy nominated last year and we will uh, talk about that i already know at least one that i'm going to shake up but you don't think coda should have won do you man look there's i think I think there's there's a chance I don't vote for Coda, and it's it's somebody has to use a wild card, and I don't think I'm going to use that because I think I'm going to pull my wild card somewhere else. But but I feel yeah, but I feel like I'm gonna. Oh man. I will wait to reserve any any comments uh, until March 11th. So uh, whenever the episode drops, March 10th or 11th, somewhere around there, Shane, Alice, and I will be re-giving out. Are you going to redo the slap too? Like you're gonna yeah, say, yeah, a different person yeah. sort of should have slapped someone else. Yep, actually, um, Shane is is traveling from New Jersey to Iowa to slap me. Okay, <laughs> so and then and then um, you know, we're, we're, Alice is flying from Australia. Alice to, is gonna call Kirsten Dunst a seat filler, right? Oh, I She's was thinking, gonna... she, I was thinking she was gonna recite the line, you know. Oh, okay. Keep my wife's name. <laughs> but this time it's uncensored because it's on HBO. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, the podcast premiere on HBO, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that'll be happening around then. One random question before we move on. Robert, if you could drive any car... I saw this question. If you could drive any car, what would you drive? And look, I think if you want to give an answer, that that's fine, right? But like, maybe maybe let's mix this up a little bit. I know I try to keep these not pop culture related, but if you could own any vehicle from movie history, what would it be? Oh, jeez. I'm... I'm- I'm so happy that for this podcast, I'll just do a quick sidebar that you give me the questions ahead of time 
yeah. because I'm terrible at being off the top of my head. Except for this question. This, this is always the one that is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, me- I meant to give you one on the spot. Right. The, the movie vehicle is one I'll have to think about. But real life, I'll just say a brand new Honda Civic because I've mm. had three Honda Civics in my life and I've liked them all. But I've gotten them all when they were at least like eight years old. Mm. One was closer to 15 years old when I first got it. So um, if I could get a brand new Honda Civic at like one mile and then just drive it until it dies 250,000 miles later. Sure. That'd be beautiful. I uh, I had a Camry for a while and I really loved that car. And I had a, um, I, I have a Nissan Altima and I really like that car. But like the problem is I live in a state where it snows a lot mm. and not only like a lot, like in terms of frequency, but a lot in terms of like, I think when this episode airs, it will be six days ago. Um, we got 11 inches of snow. <laughs> like oh, really? Yeah. Like, look, Honda Civic is not the car that you want. I've barely gotten any snow over here. Yeah. Uh, like, Honda Civic is not the kind of car you want in that. So, like, I, I, mm. I'm a practical person. I would like, like, an SUV, but not like a – I don't want a van or anything. You know, we don't have kids. We don't plan on having kids. So, like, how about, like, like a – like, my parents have a Nissan Rogue, and I really like that. Um, like, like just a smaller, comp- like, more compact, but, like, SUV, so it still has, like, the capability for not making me feel like I'm going to die anytime. the <laughs> – roads are terrible anyway uh in terms of a movie vehicle is, is a is a ship like a like on the sea is that a vehicle sure all right then my answer is the black pearl that's a great from, answer from pirates of the caribbean well then my answer is the the ship from interstellar uh <laughs> i almost <laughs> no. said the ship from interstellar really <laughs> yeah yeah that's a great black pearl is a great answer especially because you live on a coast um, yes so you could actually use it I don't know that there's a, a body of water big enough in Iowa for the Black Pearl. To fit, so <laughs> I'm going to say I if I had more time to think about this, like, look, in theory, I have all the time in the world to think about these questions, but I only look them up right before we start to record. That way it kind of say, gives me a little bit of off guard. If I had more time, well, I also wasn't planning on doing the movie vehicle part, but I'm like, eh. That's not boring if we don't do this. If I had more time to think, I'd probably pick something different. But I just love the look of uh, Agent K's car from Blade Runner 2049. Mm. Like, I think I think it just looks... Everything about that movie looks gorgeous. So maybe maybe that's my pick. I don't know. Like, it could be easy, too, to say, like, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Right? Yeah, I didn't want to. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'm also, th- I'm also saying, like, look, this is going to be real life, right? Like, you're going to have to drive this thing to work. And everybody else is going to have their Honda Civics and Nissan Altimas. And you're going to be, you know, cruising down with the black. <laughs> <laughs> How about the baby driver car? Oh, which one? There's a few. The one in the beginning. The red the one. Red one. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It comes with uh, an iPod the... Nano. Oh, oh, well then. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I mean I also like could have easily went with the 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 nineteen eighty nine Batmobile, right? Like uh mm-hmm. 89? The Tim Burton Batmobile. <laughs> yeah. And now the twenty twenty three as well. Yeah, oh that one would be cool. Uh twenty twenty two. No, I'm talking about Keaton's coming back. Oh, oh god, I got to get it. I thought you were talking about the one from Pattinson. Man, that Pattinson no, yeah. one's awesome. That's Look, in reality, probably probably I'll actually change it to a Batmobile. Um, let's okay. just go ahead and say the Pattinson one cuz like I All feel right. like that's still a pretty practical car. Like it still looks like 
incognito if you're driving it around. It doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. But... And if there's traffic, you can shoot it out of the way. Yeah, if there's traffic, I can shoot it out of the way. If you know, if if the roads get slick and I start to lose my balance, you just pull up the shields and you're fine. You know, exactly, perfect. Anyway, let's get to talking about uh, two movies that are coming out this week. Uh, I think I want to start with let's start with Cocaine Bear because that's the bigger release and this one's actually coming out this week in the states so cocaine bear coming out this this week uh february 24th naturally in the theaters uh, an oddball group of cops criminals tourists and teens converges in a georgia forest where a 500 pound black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally ingesting cocaine should be noted this is inspired by true events we've all been there <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till one day we're going to fantasy re, fantasy cast cocaine bear. And I'm going to be like, I, I pick Robert Buffard as the bear. <laughs> uh, directed by Elizabeth Banks. That's a, that's a fun, fun thing. Um, looking at this cast, like, look, I knew that there was like recognizable people in it, but this is a re- relatively deep one. Ray Liotta. And uh, in one of his last roles, uh, Carrie mm-hmm. Russell as well here, Margot Martindale and Matthew Rees. This is an Americans reunion right here. And I'm all for that. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., that's Ice Cube's son. Christopher Hivju, 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 something, one of the three, I'm sure, or probably none of the three. Is that the guy from Game of Thrones? Yeah, he's the the Viking that has a crush on Brienne of Tarth uh, in uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., um, he's from The Wire and plenty of other things, but, you know, his iconic line in The Wire, we just, shit. Um, I love him. <laughs> Great line. Also, like Scott Size, who I recognize from TikTok. <laughs> he's he's yeah, the guy that got, like c- complains about guy. retail people. Yeah. So, and uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, this guy from Modern Family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. All right. Like, again, surprisingly, like, I was like, oh, yeah, Ray Lewis, uh, Carrie Russell. But wait, hold on. <laughs> Margot Martindale. And yeah, this is a surprisingly stacked cast for what looks like it should have been like a, you know, indie move indie b movie right my guess is they'll each be in about one scene before they get killed by the cocaine bear that's possible so this is a theatrical release this is uh coming out this week robert the only thing keeping you back from seeing this movie is your free will how soon do you think you're going to check this out are you going to go to a theater wait till you can rent it at home wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for or are you just not interested in seeing cocaine bear i'll be there opening weekend with some sif pop writers uh, so yeah, no, but this is because like you genuinely want to be there, not just because oh, I'm already there, right? We were talking about some other movies, and uh, we landed on Cocaine Bear because <laughs> that'll just be fun to see with a group of people like this. Yeah, if I lived anywhere close, <laughs> yeah, I would totally be there. I'm opening weekend as well. I know my wife really wants to go, so we are probably going to go see this just as soon as humanly possible. I work Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night though, so maybe mm-hmm. Saturday morning. No, she's gone. And we'll see it sometime soon. Um, we still haven't seen Ant-Man. And like that's also like want to go soon. Maybe tomorrow night we go. Anyway. Yeah. Really excited to see Cocaine Bear, both of us. This just like every... It, the idea behind the movie sounds like, oh man, that could go so wrong so quickly. But like the thing anchoring it for me is Elizabeth Banks directing it. I'm like, it's going to be weird. Like it's, it's going to go places and be weird. And it's going to, you know, potentially be a train wreck. But at least it will be... Like an Elizabeth Banks controlled train wreck, which will be entertaining as hell. Like, have you seen her other movies? Um, I've seen movies. Let's see. She did Charlie's Angels, right? 
Yeah, she only did Charlie's Angels and Pitch Perfect 2. Okay. I've seen Charlie's Angels, and I didn't like it. And I saw Pitch Perfect 2, and it's fine for what it is. Um, and I saw Movie 43 in theaters, and that movie's terrible. I guess <sighs> she's, she's mostly no. I thought she had more credits than that. No. Interesting. I, I, I thought she at least also did Pitch Perfect 3. And it looks like you've been writing. Like, she she hasn't. She did the Charlie's Angels screenplay, but that was it. Like Yeah, I really haven't seen much from her. I I haven't seen either of those, and I only know her as a good comedic actress. Like she's great in Hunger Games is the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. But um, speaking of Modern Family, she's a recurring character on there every couple seasons, like her. But like mm-hmm. th- that is not a plus or a minus for me because I just don't know what to expect in terms of an Elizabeth Banks directed movie. Mm. Like you said, I mean, <laughs> I think my trepidation is that this could be trying too hard to be like this crazy out there thing. Um, and you can tell that it's trying to be it. But if it, if, if it avoids that, I think at the very least, it'll just be fun. Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, I think it's going to be lots of fun and really watchable. And even like, like even that Charlie's Angels movie that I didn't really like, like has some things going for it. You know, like there's there's it's it, it's a movie that I really didn't like, but has qualities that like I'm like, oh, I'm not like. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy this movie exists. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was like among my least favorite movies of the year. But that's because like more so like story structure and things like that. I'm not concerned about story structure in a movie called Cocaine Bear. You know. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what my thing is like. It could be immensely watchable. You could want to watch it every day. Show your friends, have fun parties watching it. But like, is it going to crack anyone's top ten of the year? Probably not. But that's not really what it's aiming for. True. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Luther, the Fallen Son. Then um, this is coming to Netflix in the states on March 10th in select theaters February. I don't have like a specific date because that's just what the poster says. But it looks like this is going live in the UK this week, which makes sense because this is based off of a show that premiered on the BBC for various year various years. Luther, first I want to know, uh, have you do you have any experience with this show? No, I was going to say this one's for you to to solo for a minute because I've. No experience okay. with the show, meaning I'm not going to watch the movie. That's fine. Well, I didn't know. I also didn't know, like, because it's coming out. Like, I, again, I know you like to do those, um, uh, like, binge watch a director's filmography if it's not very long. And Luther only has five seasons that are, I think, six episodes, f- four episodes, or six, 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 two, four episodes apiece. And they're like a traditional, like, 55 minute episodes not like sherlock where some of them where they're but where they're an hour and a half minimum but uh i didn't know See, if you had if you had like got into the show a little bit because you knew the movie was coming out no i have the time to do that with movies and the motivation to do that with movies but tv shows are a whole different thing for me okay so, unless i've seen it already i don't typically do that sort of binge this will be opening weekend for me as well this is one of the things that i claimed the review for i didn't even know this was coming out until recently and as soon as i find out about it it, it immediately jumped to you know the tippy top of my anticipated list because i love the show so much i like randomly stumbled across the show i think when i was in like freshman year of college like a summer vacation thing and bec- and it was like when season one through three had aired, which was like the initial run, and then four came out a couple years later, and then five came out a couple years later, and now it you know, is in BBC time. I don't know if they plan on making more, but also when the show started, Idris Elba was like a known quantity because he had done The Wire, but like he wasn't, you know, like he wasn't the Idris Elba that we know, you know, with right. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think what's what's the what's the project that probably launched his his like 
I mean, the, the, the project that launched his career was The Wire, right? But like, yeah. when did he like transition to like film? Oh, I don't know. He's been doing a lot like, of stuff I'm, though. Because I'm like, he's Heimdall in the MCU, but like, he's barely in any of those. Yeah. Um, he's great in Molly's game. I mean, Probably, Pacific Rim was a big like blockbuster for him. I think I think his role in The Office really showed that he could do anything, right? I mean, again, that's still TV, <laughs> but... <laughs> no, nah, it was... I think I said that too dryly. That was a joke. <laughs> Probably. Uh, well, I'm also not looking at you right now. I'm looking at his IMDb page. I mean, he's the got a lot of like coward. he's got a, like small a, a lot of small roles. Where I really think he was like kind of one of those like that guys where like every like a lot of people would recognize his face but not know his name. Twenty eight weeks later, American Gangster, Rock and Rolla. He does a stint in the office and then and then does the Losers and then he's Heimdall and Thor. Prometheus was like a, a big movie like and he's in that one and then the next year he's in Pacific Rim like maybe that kind of feels like his uh, and then a couple years later he's Beast of No Nation and it feels like it feels like by the time Zootopia came out we were all like oh yeah Idris Elba for sure <laughs> and and then that was the same year that uh, Jungle Book Finding Dory Star Trek Beyond so it feels it, at the very least 2016 was his breakout year and his best role to date in film is in Molly's game. He's so good. Anyway. So yeah. So same thing. Like when Sherlock started, ben- Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch and Martin Campbell were like known, but not huge. And <laughs> now Freeman. it's like Martin Freeman, whatever. Um, what did I say? Martin Campbell. Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, a, he's the same guy. <laughs> so, uh, and, and now obviously Idris Elba is a superstar and cool. Yeah. Um, I hope that means that more people are going to see this show because this show is awesome so i was just scrolling netflix i was like oh i really like that guy and i saw it uh and i watched all three seasons in like two days i was like this is so good mm. uh, and then i rewatched them all before season the first three seasons before season four came out and then i rewatched at least season four but i think also seasons one through three before five came out and, I ha- and that was 2019 so i'm in the middle of rewatching them all again and this show's just so good so um if you are looking for a new tv thing to do it is kind of a procedural but it's certainly nowhere like csi it's like it shows really good detective work and like especially like most episodes especially like once you get to season two are like a two episode arc as opposed to one you know killer of the week kind of thing um but it's also you 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 pretty much always know who's doing it at the start of the episode like they very quickly find out who it is it's just a matter of how are they going to catch them and that to me that's always more interesting than especially in terms of a procedural you know when it when it's a who done it it's like yeah that's fun i want to know yeah i want to be surprised or whatever but i think there's we have a lot of those like who done it shows already so it's kind of refreshing yeah. now we get one of those we already know who did it that was the easy part now let's get to the hard part how are we going to actually you know stop them from this crime spree or or finally pin them on a murder that we believe took place you know, a while ago and he, before he does it again or whatever, you know? So, and then there's also this really interesting like dynamic with a character who is a villain. And there's like an interesting, like you can tell that they like kind of like each other, but like, obviously he's a detective and this other person's a murderer. Like so Sherlock and Moriarty, Batman and Joker. I mean, <laughs> no, because Batman doesn't like the Joker. <laughs> Batman wishes he could kill the Joker, right? Yeah, um, I think but, I think there's some undertones there, but yeah. I mean, maybe yeah, but uh, depending on the iteration, right? But uh, yeah, and the Sherlock and Moriarty is, I don't know, kind of like Sherlock likes to be challenged, but like this is, it, it's more so like 
there is blackmail and he doesn't have a choice, but to just kind of accept it. Anyway, Mm Luther is an excellent show. If you're looking for a new TV show to watch, I strongly recommend it. I was going to use it as the spinoff this week, but I didn't think that we were previewing this movie this week. So take this as like a secondary spinoff. Like Luther is one of my favorite shows of all time and it's on Hulu right now. So check out Luther. Can I, can I take a quick sidebar to tell you the thing that I hate the most right now? Sure. So, so the show premiered on BBC, and when I watched it in its first two runs, um, I was watching it on Netflix, and I own the Blu-rays now, um, because after that second run through, I made sure, like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy these, and I did. So when I watch the show on Netflix, and when I pop in my Blu-ray, I get a standard episode, very B- like BBC style, where it feels like one chunk. But when I watch it on Hulu, there are added in two second black screen pauses throughout the episode for ad breaks. Hmm. I hate that. It pisses me off to no end because you are specifically ruining the pace and separating. And I pay for ad free Hulu. So it's like, I get oh, that you weird. want a spot to put in ads, but it's like, you, you should be able to, already. Right, you should be able to edit those out for the, for the ad. For, and I know I've griped about this before, but it's like, if I am paying more money to not have ads, having a two second black screen pause has the same effect for an ad for me. Right. It, it completely brings me out of whatever I'm into. And especially like this was specifically designed and released to be a continuous 55 minutes. And mm-hmm. shame on you, Hulu. I hate you. Go away. Um, moving on. <laughs> Robert, anywhere that you want to tell people to check out uh, if they've been um, uh, liking the things that you have to say and want to hear more things. Uh, go to underscore Rob thoughts on Twitter and Robert's thoughts on Letterboxd. I have Thanks. mediocre things to say. I disagree I wanna, with that. I don't want to mislead um, people. I was <laughs> don't doing, set their expectations I, too high. I was watching a lot of uh, uh, YouTube as I was doing preparation for Super Bowl party stuff, cleaning the house and whatnot. And I got caught up on all the movies that I've added from you uh, to my watch later list and uh, never got around to. So there's some really great stuff on there. I did. Uh, some of these are it's going to make me feel like a bad friend because like <laughs> I finally saw the Prometheus video and the the fellowship of the ring video and the drive my car one was mm. stellar so that's awesome thank you thank you and the departed one so i think i only have three more that i need to catch up on and i will do it soon anyway. i'm giving you lots of time because it's much less frequent than ever yeah fair yeah well and it's like you know i i know you have a video on secession but it's like i haven't seen the show yet so i'm not gonna watch right. it until so anyway so there's that a quick reminder patreon.com slash sif pop uh, w or if you're interested in getting episodes early, among other fun perks, such as the $10 and up perk is going to just be any movie that I see that's a new release this year. I'm going to do a quick, like, me-only reviews for it, and that'll be the only way you can catch those. So there's that. Let's move on to the SIF topic. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia story for a little bit. 1940 film. You can catch it streaming on HBO Max. Plot synopsis here is when a rich woman's ex-husband and tabloid-type reporter turn up just before her planned remarried, remarriage, she begins to learn the truth about herself. This is a starring Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, and James Stewart. Three people you might have heard. There's a bunch of people in here as well that I am certain that people that are fans of old school cinema will be like, oh yeah, well also this person. And look, I'm sure you're right, but they don't get much bigger than Cary Grant, James Stewart, mm-hmm. and and Catherine Hepburn, right? Like, you know, people that aren't even movie fans know those names, right? right? So anyway, the Philadelphia story 
7.9 on IMDb, not quite high enough to rank it on the list of top movies of all time. Uh, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, critic score at least, and has a 4.0 on Letterboxd. All really impressive, um, really impressive stats there. At least I think I want to double check, make sure it's not ranked. Nope, it's not ranked. 7.9 is not high enough to get you ranked, apparently. <laughs> I thought it would be, but yeah. Shame on IMDb. Anyway, Oscar nominations for this movie include... Uh, best Picture, Best Director, uh, Best Actress for Katherine Hepburn, Best Supporting Actress for Ruth Hussey, Husey, H-U-S-S-E-Y. It feels wrong to say Hussey. <laughs> I know. One of the two. By the way, George Sukor, C-U-K or Sucker? George Sucker. Let's say George Sucker. <laughs> Hussey and Sucker. Man, people that are actual film buffs hate me. And it won... Academy Awards for Best Actor, James Stewart, and Best Screenplay, uh, Donald Ogden Stewart. This was preserved, uh, or this was inducted into the National Film Registry. I don't have a year on here, but that's fine. And um, a couple other minor awards, Online Film and Television Awards, Hall of Fame, uh, New York Film Critics Circle Award, nominated for Best Film, won Best Actress, Catherine Hepburn. Uh, was named third best film of the year by Film Daily in 1995. 1995 is when it was inducted into the Library of Congress National Film Registry. In 1998, this was uh, listed on AFI's 100 Year 100 Movies, number 51. In 2000, AFI's 100 Years 100 Laughs, number 15. In 2002, AFI's 100 Years 100 Passions, number 44. In 2007, 100 Years 100 Movies, 10th Anniversary Edition, uh, number 44, so moving up seven spots in the list. Uh, and in 2008, AFI's 10 Top 10, number five romantic comedy film. This is adapted from a play where I believe Catherine Hepburn also played the same role uh, on in the play and um, has been adapted several times to, um, uh, looks like uh, a 1956 musical called High Society starring Bing Crosby, Grace Kelly, and Frank Sinatra. That sounds awesome. And Louis Armstrong. All right. I might watch that. <laughs> <clears throat> and was also adapted for two half-hour episodes of the Screen Guild Theater, uh, first with Greer, Carson, Henry Fonda, and Fred McMurray, and then with Hepburn, Grant, and Stewart reprising their film roles in 1947. So that's awesome. That's, check that out. But yeah, that's a little bit of the reasons why it would be considered qualifying for this GOAT category. I mean, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes is already going to qualify at 4.0 on IMDb. That's pretty great. Um, Oscar nominations, you know, it's Best Picture nominated. Robert, have you seen this movie before? And if not, then why were you excited to watch it? I had seen it before a few years ago, and I really liked it back when I saw it, and I was looking forward to watching it again. Yeah. Sweet. I have not seen this before, and um, I was excited to watch it because how do you not get excited about a movie that stars Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and James Stewart? So the only thing that could have put it over the top is if Frank Capra also directed this. But I know. What's the equivalent? Like the modern equivalent. Is there one of like that sort of cast? The Oceans movies? Yeah, I mean like probably the Oceans, but even then those are like that that's like the rat pack, right? Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe the Chris's <laughs> Hemsworth Pine and yeah. and, and uh, Pratt. But like these were the the three biggest Yeah, that's true. I don't know if there are the three biggest anymore. No, no, but I mean Hollywood has expanded significantly. You know, exactly. this is back when yeah. like actors were hired by studios and they only made those studio films. Like right. you know, and then there's more films coming out more than ever. So like yeah, I don't know if there is a big three, right? Like if, if Daniel Day Lewis wasn't retired, he'd be one of them, right? And you know, 
I, like, I feel like maybe you could make an argument for maybe the departed cast, right? Like, especially like, yeah, that's the other one I, that I did think of Damon DiCaprio. Damon, right, then, Damon DiCaprio. I mean, Wahlberg is a little bit more of a weak link there, but how about Damon yeah. DiCaprio and Affleck? Or I mean, even then, maybe maybe when The Departed came out, you know, Ben Affleck. But maybe Heat with Ooh, De Niro Pacino, and Kilmer Pacino. And De Niro. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking. Kilmer. I was thinking De Niro, The Irishman. You know. Yeah, that's why I thought of The Irishman, then went to Heat because Irishman is there like in their twilight years, but Heat. Yeah. is kind of prime. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And like, obviously, you know, we could say e- easily say the Avengers, but it's like a lot of their popularity was gained is by because of the films. Avengers. Like, yeah. yeah, man, <laughs> I don't know. Like, does anything like Knives Out? But like, uh, I mean, it's more of an ensemble. Like, I'm really thinking more of like a three piece. You know? Yeah, there's diff- there's a difference between a, a very good ensemble where you get like good character actors who come in and give great performances versus like the three biggest stars. That's what mm. I'm thinking. Probably like. Oceans with Clooney, Pitt, and Julia Roberts, and Matt Damon, and Matt Damon, who wasn't, yeah, yeah, he's more of a supporting, but like with Clooney and Pitt as the leads, with yeah. Julia Roberts in between them, yeah. But is there like a more modern example? That's interesting. Yeah, because he goes even further back than than the Oceans movies. Yeah, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. There's probably like a example that people are like, how are you not thinking about? Yeah, tell us on Twitter. What do you think? Yeah, I was even I was I just saw Nope in one of my letterbox lists and I was like maybe, but I don't I don't think Kiki Palmer's quite there yet. She will be. She's great. Yeah. But again, those are just like some actors that a lot of people love, but not like the biggest. That's true. Maybe actually I was like Kaluya might be in that conversation. Maybe what? Don't look up. Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Timothy Chalamet. And, and Meryl Chalamet Streep. Is a really small role. Meryl Streep, yeah. And Kate I mean, Blanchett I, and Jonah Hill. Again, maybe more of an ensemble piece, but like, I mean, yeah, sure. Meryl Streep, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence. Like, that's a pretty big, like, top, top three, three, right? Yeah. DiCaprio you know, and he, Lawrence is a two-hander at the top. And even in, we haven't even started talking about Philadelphia Story yet, but in that one, Cary <laughs> Grant is kind of a smaller character for most of it. Yeah, that was that he's was a supporting one out of the three. So you could yeah. even say you could even compare Streep to that. What about Bo Burnham inside? I mean, we got Bo Burnham and Bo Burnham <laughs> and Bo Burnham, right? <laughs> I don't think Bo Burnham is quite big enough, but Bo Burnham, that, he, he's pretty good. <laughs> Let's start actually talking about the yeah. story then. Yes, I I didn't see this one. I was really excited to see it for mostly that reason. All right, that so a, a B plot right there. It <laughs> could have been. Um, we just did a mini B plot for you. Maybe yeah, you we can expand upon this. B-plots. I mean, maybe we can expand further upon this in like next month or something. Yeah. We'll see. So we'll do the Sif Pop scale of like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. I haven't seen this movie first. Robert, where do you think I land on this movie? I'm guessing your rating. Yeah. I'm we've not done guess... this before, but we've done this no, for what, yeah. two and a half years? Yeah. Jeez. Um, I'm going to guess you think it's just okay. I'm a little higher than that. I'm probably okay. low side of like it. Okay. So I am curious to see why you think that, but we'll get into it. Um, Robert, where do you land? Like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. Uh, I would say high side of it. Or no, no, high side of like it. I don't know why I said <laughs> I was that. like, whoa, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I got really nervous actually um, when I like was watching the movie last night because I pulled up Letterboxd just to kind of see like in general, like maybe this is one of those. Because I feel like this is one of those that Jake submitted. I think both Philadelphia Story and Roman Holiday. And we lumped them together, or maybe I think he submitted Roman Holiday, and we maybe lumped this in with it. I think I either want to do this one again. Yeah. Okay, that I could easily listen and find out, but <laughs> <laughs> I 
but yeah, I think I think like the idea. I was wondering, like, is that is this the idea that like maybe somebody just wants us to to validate a you know here this movie is a sort of is a goat in most people's eyes, but I don't think it is. So let's see what Aaron and Robert have to think. But anyway, but I got really nervous because as I was looking it up, I saw you had it at a five out of five, and I was like, oh man, Robert's gonna tear me to pieces because <laughs> I'm on the low side. I like it, but uh, and then I saw your letterbox review because I pulled it up to assist with my B plot pull up letterbox. It was the first thing I saw. I was like, Oh, okay. Well we'll be pretty close then. So let's get into it. What is, what are some of the things that are worth mentioning? It's just a lot of fun to start. Right. And it, it does its best to, to, to skirt some haze code stuff with just how often everyone is drunk and talking about being drunk and getting alcohol in their system and all that. Yeah. My, my main thing, the reason I had it at a five out of 10, which was probably a bit overambitious on my part. Five out of five. Or a five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> it was just because of how fun it was. And it's pretty airtight um, for most of the time. But I kind of, this this second viewing, which was just today, I didn't love the ending. <laughs> uh, I think Shane mentioned when we talked about Totoro, something about like a moment of d- domestic violence right off the bat. Yep. And like Cary Grant, domestically violences Catherine Hepburn in the first right. scene. Let's 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 start there. I was desperate to find like YouTubers talking about this movie and there's just not actually. Like if you search the Philadelphia story, it's just like a bunch of clips from the movie mm-hmm. or like trailers or like trailer trailer modernized or anything like that. Even if I search the Philadelphia story review, there's like three reviews from like amateur channels and it's like like a lot of times, like a lot of times they're lower quality and it's not necessarily engaging. And like, no, I, like I want to hear, you know, like somebody that I, I want to hear like Leonard Malton talk about this movie or is there, is there an archive clip of Roger Deber talking about this movie or is there, you know, even like, um, like, uh, like, like some of those YouTube critics that are reviewing like Chris you know? Stuckman or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good example. I was trying to think like the only one that I was thinking was like, like Jeremy Johns or like the, uh, Angry Joe reviews or anything like that, but I'm like, I don't really want to watch like Angry Joe review Philadelphia yeah. story, you know. But yeah, like Chris Stockman would be a good a good example, or like I follow Impression Blend, uh, Mariana Neal. Um, like I would love to hear like some YouTube critics uh, talk about this movie for some commentary. And the like the closest one I can find was some people like a, a I think a husband and wife combo that were like doing like the thousand and one movies you should see before you die and mm. like vlogging each of their like every time and and the the wife like could not get over the fact that he like shoved her face in the beginning. And then it is later talked about like uh, the, 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 the younger sister alludes to the fact that he used to also like beat her more aggressively. And it's like, look, there is certainly like merit to being like, yeah, I don't like that character because of that. But then as the guy pointed out, he's like, this is 1940. Like, because then every time the, every time the wife would talk again, he would, she would say like, you know, I kind of, I didn't like that she ended up together. I, I feel like, you know, maybe she should have ended up with Jimmy Stewart. And, and he's like, well, she, she's like, well, he, he probably would beat her too. Like, that's kind of what people did in the forties. And it's like, you know, or maybe she'd have ended up with the nice guy that she was already engaged. Yeah, he probably beat her too. Like, it's just like, and look, it's, I, I got over that pretty quickly because I'm like, it's, it's, it's a time capsule thing, right? If this movie were remade, that wouldn't be in there. And it's it's way less offensive than some of the things we've seen on this podcast. You know, like we we saw Goldfinger, like that. Those mm-hmm. early Bond movies of like some really like stuff that hasn't held up well. And I, I feel like it was I was able to move on pretty quickly, just kind of understand. All right, it's 1940. There's even a line where um, where where Jimmy Stewart is uh, 
is describing Catherine Hepburn's beauty. And he said, like, Hellfire and Holocaust. And I'm like, this movie came out before I know, the I Holocaust. Thought, <laughs> like, I thought the same thing. Like, that line also hasn't aged well. But, like, and, and, like obviously, but that well, that one is at least, how would you know? You know? I mean, I guess the Holocaust oh, yeah. is happening, but, you know, we, we didn't know about it. So, <laughs> anyway. I, uh, I, I think the, the shoving her face in the door, that's kind of just like a simplistic, we're doing a, a no dialogue opening sequence to show yeah. that they had a bad marriage. And it's like, yeah, of course, it's terrible. And that in and of itself, I can get past. But for me, the fact that they get back together at the end is what trips yeah. me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to address that right off the bat to be like, sure. look, there is, there is a sequence and there is later, you know, alluding to more. But I didn't feel like it was over. But but yes, it did leave a funny, a funny feeling in my stomach right at the end when they got back together. And I'm like, especially because like you can tell that Jimmy Stewart just adores Captain Catherine Hepburn. And uh, like, but I also totally agree with her philosophy of she's like, you know, you're too good for me. Like, <laughs> you know, she kind of like understands who she is and she's like a bit of a wild card. And she's like, I th- you know, I think the idea of a wild card excites you, but like you would hate me in a year, you know, especially like he's only known her for what, like a day. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. When all is said and like done. a weekend or something. Yeah. I think they go over the day before the wedding, don't they? Because this is all like a I mean, it's based off a stage play like too. So I think it's like a twenty four hour period. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, I was just like, yeah, like he she would, and there's clearly the, the is 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 Jimmy Stewart and the photographer like are they a couple? No, but, but she wants to be something there. Okay, she wants to be, but she doesn't want to get married yet. So that's Got their, it. That's her thing. Well, she wants him to do some growing up, and but when yeah. he proposes to Catherine Hepburn at the end, she's. Like no, I think someone else wants you, but it's going to yeah. be more of a more of a process for their relationship, and not just like oh, he's not marrying Catherine Hepburn, so he's about to go marry Liz. It's yeah, <laughs> it the movie does a good job of making no <laughs> no good options out of the three of them because of yeah. everything you said about Jimmy Stewart and because of everything we said about Cary Grant and the the other fiance, he kind of assumes the worst immediately of her. Yeah, with the whole situation with, with the. With singing somewhere with like, rainbow and all that, but apart from that, like he's the best pick of the three. <laughs> like, yeah, but also he's well, bo- he's boring. Yeah, and he seems to have like ulterior maybe, motives. Maybe James Stewart is the better pick of the three, but like because he's you know, actively like passionate about her, right? But like, but yeah, after that one day, though. right? So, like, as the audience, we we probably should want her to stay married to the guy she's engaged to. But yeah, that's a really. I was also surprised. Like this is 1940, and when we when we talked about Miracle on 34th Street, which was 1930, was it 39? 47. Oh. Seven years later. Okay, I'm just wow. making things up. We were talking about how like the, it was the film was not approved because it starred a divorced couple, and so I was like, mm. I thought it was really interesting that like this movie was allowed to be made at this time because probably because they get back together. That's, that's just my guess. Well, and like, and they say at the end they're like. Because the because the announcement is like we we said you know we we invited you to a ceremony two years ago that we so it's like did they never go through with getting married? I think they got married, but they eloped. Okay, and then divorced quickly, and then now they're officially getting married, and supposedly he's changed. So so they eloped, set a ceremony, and divorced before the ceremony. No, I think they had a ceremony set, but eloped instead of showing up to the ceremony. That's that was my understanding. Okay. I'm, that tracks a little bit more. Yeah. Here's here's part of the problem for me. Okay. I have two big problems with it. One of them is that I feel like this movie just has too many characters for the story it's trying to tell. 
Like, because I feel like I don't really know much about any of the characters aside from the three. Because I was even confused on like the relationship between Liz and what's what's Jimmy Stewart's characters. Macaulay. Mike. Macaulay. Mike. Right. Like, so like, but there's also like Uncle Wiley and all of Catherine Hepburn's family. And, um, you know, and then there's the the newspaper reporter head guy that's blackmailing them. And uh, it just felt like. Well, there any, any all... anytime any of the three weren't on weren't on the screen or actively doing something, I kind of didn't care. Those are all instruments to further the story slash character yeah. for the main three, except maybe the sure. sister who I really loved. But oh yeah, the little sister I really liked her. Yeah, too. she's great. Were there weren't many moments without the three of them though? Were there? Um, I, no, I'm thinking more so like there's a scene at the beginning, and look, part of this too is. I feel like this story. I'm gonna. I'm gonna entirely blame this. So I'm not gonna say it's a negative on the film. This story is a lot more complex than I thought it was gonna be because mm. I think I was expecting like There's those expectations again. I know, right? Well, but like I was thinking that this was gonna be more along the lines of a, like a like a lighthearted his girl Friday, right? Something like that. Yeah, that's a good uh, good comparison. Well, and our, the two Cary Grant movies that we've He's seen are his girl Friday his and, and Arsenic and Old Lace, right? Um, yeah. But I knew this wasn't going to be as slapsticky as Arsenic and Old Lace. But so I figured it would probably be pretty close to His Girl Friday, and um, and this is a relatively straightforward, forward, serious movie that has a lot of funny moments. But yeah, it's got a complex plot that like and a good amount of like I thought the film did a really good job of like giving you information like later on down the line, as opposed to giving you all the information up front. Like we only found out that he's an alcoholic, like halfway through the movie. And, you know, and we find like, we found out um, like just significantly more about each of our characters as the film, as the film goes on. So I like, I appreciated that. Like a lot of, you know, there's not like, like his girl Friday is like all the setup is in that first scene. And then the movie just plays off of it for the rest of the film. It's a well-structured screenplay. Yeah. It's yeah. Some might call it cinema. <laughs> Cinema with Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, and James Stewart. No. Cinema. <laughs> so I just I had the I had the I'm stumbling. I just I, I think I was expecting something that wasn't quite as complex and and then the movie starts and like I'm immediately lost. And uh I also was like pretty tired watching this last night, and I actually saw this in two viewing two sittings. Uh, I watched the first hour last night under like tired circumstances. And then I watched the rest this morning. And so the scene that I started with this morning was where uh, Jimmy Stewart goes to the house with a bottle of champagne. Mm -hmm. And so I thoroughly enjoyed my time with it this morning, um, significantly more than last night. Like if you'd asked me like last night, I would have been probably low side of it's okay. Um, And I think the second, the second half is significantly stronger than the first half, significantly funnier has, has just more entertainment value for me. But um, but yeah, I was like, there's that scene where um, where they show up and the Catherine Hepburn is is grabs the 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 uncle and and claims the uncle as the dad. And then when she stumbles upon the dad later, she makes sure to like, nope, this is Uncle Wiley. Is like, Uncle Willie. I, I don't I don't understand what was going on there. And it, again, I just it, my expectations. So like, I'm going to I'm going to asterisk my low side of like it with with the I I'm going to see myself returning to this film at some point later like on a streaming service though like i believe this has a criterion release but i'm like i'm not going to seek this out next time there's a 50 percent off sale i have the criterion I'll... yeah sweet you have it yeah yeah but you're right it's it's layered it's not just a romantic hijinks movie right it's not yeah not just a love quadrilateral 
Anyway. I like this significantly more than Casablanca, so. All right. <laughs> because it also has stuff about wealth versus not wealth, you know, because of uh, he doesn't feel right about her offering the house to, to stay in. Right. He talks about he doesn't want to do this job, but he has to because he doesn't want to stay out in the rain and the snow. Um, it has family dynamics beyond just the the marriage and the divorce part of it. You know, it has it has a lot of different layers and a lot of different things to say and ideas to explore. So that's like you said, that's probably where you were tripped up a little bit because it's not his girl Friday in which it's just he wants to get back and now a bunch of crazy things are happening. It's yeah. hey, we have some things to say about family and estranged fathers and the the difficult relationships between parents and grown children and mm-hmm. and how sometimes middle class workers have to especially in the 40s have to just do what's going to pay the bills instead of following their dreams of writing those those books of great poetry uh, as as Catherine Hepburn calls his writing yeah yeah I, so i like all the different angles that it comes from and i like i as we've kind of harped on a lot i just love these actors you know these yeah. are some of the greatest actors of all time and they're doing the thing that makes them some of the greatest actors of all time they're it, just it kind like of says little... something that even though he's top billing like cary grant was the least likable out of all the three not just because of the you know wife beating stuff but like jimmy stewart is so good in this movie yeah and Catherine hepburn is so good in this movie and cary grant's great in the movie but you're right as you just as you mentioned earlier he's more of a supporting role and he's really good but it's like he probably doesn't have quite as much to do you know because because there was even a lot of the movie where i was questioning what are each of these characters intentions like it, it's not spelled out from the very beginning you know and like there was kind of a mystery in in unfolding some of those and you kind of see where the movie's going and like there was a lot of fun in that and the movie kind of became a little bit more a little bit more like his girl Friday in that second half, a little bit more like, you know, you got kind of like, it, it almost felt like a Looney Tunes episode, but like a yeah. serious one, you know, <laughs> with, with all the stuff, you know, cause, cause there's the, like, you know, Cary Grant shows up at the house and then the fiance shows up and then like Jimmy Stewart comes around from the corner holding her and singing somewhere over the rainbow. Like this kind of felt like one of those, it, it felt a lot like the, the picnic scene from um, crazy, stupid love where I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like mm-hmm. everything's coming together. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, the, um, the, the actors, the actors are all just so good. Um, I wanted to, you mentioned like a lot of the like themes about this movie. I did feel like the, the, the like class system that they talk about was a little bit like overplayed. Overplayed. Why? Yeah. Like, I feel like there was just a few conversations that they had that just, it's like, I get it, move on. Right. And it feels like they were like trying to like spoon for me, spoon feed me or, you know, they're like, you know, rich people can't be with poor people. And obviously we're not going to believe you. We're not leading you to believe that. Like, but well, it's exploring whether they can, right? It is. Uh, because, you know, cause that's the whole conflict with the, the, the normal guy, right. Is that he started off as a nobody and now he sees himself. He's, he is viewed as a, a an upcoming prominent person in society, you know, like so I, I think you haven't is... seen it, but this is very much 1940s succession in some ways. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I could I could compare some characters. I know you won't. This won't mean anything to you, but this is that 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 the fiance is the Tom Wamsgans of the 1940s, who just like came from nothing, and now he's just like this kind of rich snobby guy who doesn't want to get his suit dirty in the in the dirt and all that. I will yeah. understand that when I watch Succession soon. <laughs> yeah. 
I just threw that out there for the people who do watch it. So yeah, yeah, uh, I like, I, like I feel like the class stuff. It just felt like there was a scene where where it was just like I get it, move on, like and and then it did. I think it is, and it's anyway. So I felt like that that one was oh, a little think bit like I does it and then abandons it at some point. No, I felt like I felt like I was like don't like don't abandon it, but I'm ready for you to stop saying all the things that you that I feel like you've been demonstrating, you know. Yeah. Or at least all the things that you have been alluding to, right? Like, I, I don't need you to keep spelling it out for me. And this this is not the main part of the movie, you know? And you've made your point. You've made your, your sub-point. You've made your sub-conflict. But time doesn't thing. that... It all, it all informs why Jimmy Stewart is even interested in her, in her in the first place. Because she is this way. Because she's grown up rich. And because she can be kind of erratic and just doing whatever she wants and that excites him because she's different and exciting but he's always had to stay on the straight and narrow to mm. to feed himself to keep a roof over his head um and when true. he's proposing to her at the end he doesn't realize exactly what she's doing or what that's doing yeah so yeah i think it all ties in very directly into the main dynamics okay that's a good point i was i will withdraw my complaint <laughs> Um, I wrote down at one point in a note uh, it, that um, I, I can't remember what specific scene made me finally write it down, but it was so refreshing to have a movie from this er- era, have a female cast member with actual like agency and character, mm-hmm. not just to be stock female number one, like until the end. <laughs> right. Like it was, yeah, until the, it, but then I was thinking at the, that, that very last scene ruins all of that. Yeah. Like for me, because it, it kind of just goes the way the movie wants it to go. And yeah, leaves an icky taste in the mouth. Um, you know, but she has to end up with somebody, right? Because nobody can be lonely. Like in <sighs> Little Women, when Tracy Letts says, as long as she's married by the end, she can do whatever she wants. And that's kind of what this <laughs> kind is. Kind of, yeah. So like it, it, it was like at one point I definitely wrote down, like it's really nice to see a character with actual agency and character development and, you know, being a person right as opposed you know being somebody that is written well yeah. um and then it's all just thrown out the window at the end um which is which is my other biggest complaint with the movie is yeah the end the ending i, I think i had moved from i was probably going to say like before that last scene i was probably going to say i'm probably high sided like it maybe loved it like because i enjoyed the second half of it too much i was willing to say i probably just wasn't in the right headspace for the first half and thank god i split it into two and then the ending came along yeah maybe 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 low side i liked it so but yeah it, it has plenty of plenty of great things going for it we already mentioned the cast there's a there's a lot of charm in this movie a lot of people on like letterboxd seem to be just fawning over the 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 drunk jimmy stewart <laughs> uh, and like i get it he's so damn charming in that sequence and uh like uh, and then there's also the se- the sequence that I referenced before we started recording where um where he's in the library trying to find like his book and uh and there's like a, a lady that's like only speaking Shakespearean to him <laughs> and that was like a weird I think that was the first moment in the movie that I like chuckled out loud he's like thanks so, yeah right yeah so so yeah but then then I just found myself laughing more and more and more so yeah so um. Yeah, I was really worried that like we would get here and I'd be like, I don't really know like if I have anything to say about this movie. Mm. Like, I had a I had a fine time and I'm wanting to watch it again. But yeah, it's it's I saw your five star review. I'm like Robert's Robert's gonna this is gonna be a classic goats episode where I'm gonna be like 
I thought the movie was fine. You were going to be like, you just didn't understand it. And you would explain it to me. And I'd be like, yeah, all right, fine. That's true. <laughs> Not so much. Not so much. But we both like it. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other things to say? I, like I said, I think I'm kind of out. But I feel like no. there is more we could say. <laughs> I just don't know what it is. I think we covered most of my thoughts, most if not all. I can't think of anything else at the moment. Yeah. Like I said, I, I I think that I will check this movie out again at some point um, on a streaming service. I just don't plan on, uh, again, like this has a criterion and, you know, I, I don't plan on seeking seeking this out. Like even His Girl Friday, I remembered, like I grabbed that one, the next criterion sale, because at least I had a good time with that movie. I'm like, I think I really like, plus all the like special features on it, like it had a, 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 a stage adaptation that was recorded like that, lots of bonus features i was like yeah i'll justify that money but i don't see that happening here after this watch so in terms of is this a goat i'm gonna say no um if, if i'm assembling the criterion collection i'm not adding it um what do you think i mean is is uh oceans 11 a goat is the departed a goat heat oceans 11 the departed for sure heath i need to give another watch i really liked it but I mean, sure, for the cast alone, I guess that's a good... I'm. It's a goat for me, yes. Man. I have it at 14 after Singing in the Rain and before On the Waterfront. I have it Out of at... 47, my goodness. Where am I going to put this? Probably at... I feel like this is good. Uh, let's go here. Uh, let's go, man. 34, which puts it above the likes of Shadow of a Doubt and Rocky and below... I don't feel like it should be below those. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll put it here, 32. That puts it above the good, the bad, the ugly, and below Muppet Christmas Carol and Night of the Living Dead. By the way, I moved Rocky up to number one. Really? Yeah. I know you did your binge. I, your I number one was Arsenic and Old Lace, right? It was Rope with Arsenic number two. Oh, I thought when we watched Arsenic and Old Lace that dethroned it. I know it was Mirkon 34th Street for the longest time. It was, yeah. Man, crazy. I respect it. I, I probably need to give Rocky another shot, but one, it was my third time I'm watching like, it. And I was just like, you know what? It, yeah, this is, this is great. Fine. great. I, I recently moved knives out from six of all time to two of all time for me. Mm. So I also get me do. So anyway, like I feel, I feel like this movie will grow in the list. Like I, I'll like this more the next time I watch it again. I'll know, I'll know what to expect a little bit more. I'll already kind of like see where things are going and have a little bit more. I, I was thinking about this as I was watching it. I was like, I feel like, Look, if I, my, my local indie theater was running like a Cary Grant, like a three, three film thing, um, recently. And one of them was the Philadelphia story. And one of them was arsenic and old lace. And I can't remember what the third one was, but I remember like really wanting to go to it. And I just couldn't make it work schedule wise because I was like, I love arsenic and old lace. And we're talking about the Philadelphia story in a month. And I feel like if I would have been in a theater, like where you like have to concentrate on things that are going on all the time, as opposed to like watching this at home where. There's a million distractions around as soon as it loses your attention for one second, you know, it's lost your attention for, you know, 15 minutes. Like I was thinking maybe I would enjoy that a little bit more. Cause I was also thinking like, I feel like this would be just much better on a rewatch again, like knowing where things are going, no knowing what the movie's saying and where all these characters fall into place. And then you can just kind of enjoy the fun ride that's going along. So I guess that means uh, I would put it in the criterion collection then for the performances. Cool. I think that's a, I think that's a good because because I think like I think I did that with Good the Bad the Ugly which which is like look I didn't particularly like it but there's enough to respect about it that like you kind of have to right so you just don't want to get canceled that's okay yeah that's that's exactly it. I just don't really no, no I feel like you're right because what is what is the comparison to to this movie before even 2001 like what is is there a movie that, I mean I know isn't the man who shot Liberty Valance has John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. 
I think. Yeah, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart. But that's what's John Wayne, who was Mr. Western, where these other characters can do like a lot. Well, and I was even thinking a year before this movie came out, James Stewart was in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, directed by Frank Capa. But yeah, there's no like, James, James Stewart is is the main. So yeah, like I don't know. There really doesn't seem like anything like this. And I also like, do you know where this falls into their filmography, like their careers? Like were, were, were these three stars at this point? Like, and I think, I think. Well, our, yeah, that's why it's such a big well, deal. All right. Well, if Mr. If Mr. Smith goes to Washington came out a year before this, then yes. I, I, I just don't know timeline wise. Like this is obviously before North by Northwest and his girl Friday was the same year as Philadelphia story. Okay. So this is two years after bringing up baby. So, which is another yeah. great one that we could talk about someday. I think it's on the schedule for me to talk about with Adam later this Oh, year. okay. Nice. Yeah, newest. See, that one's just missing one of them. It has Grant and Hepburn. Oh, I didn't know Hepburn. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Carrie Grant had been a lot of things. Bringing Up Baby, The Awful Truth, Holiday, His Girl Friday. All those came out before the Philadelphia story. So, yeah. So, he would have been, yeah, a, a big star. So, okay. Well, I was just wondering, like, is this is this like one of those movies? What's a, what's a movie you can think of, like, where where it has a bunch of people that you look back now and you're like, those people are all ridiculously famous. Like I think Scott Pilgrim versus the world is a really good example because like you forget that like that has Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza in really early roles for them. Anna and they're Kendrick, Aubrey Plaza, now. Brie Larson, Chris Evans, Brie Larson, Chris Evans, Chris Evans in his like cringe days, like fantastic yeah. four days, you know, where you're like, oh, Chris Evans, where he was always yeah, playing pl- a douchey character. Plenty of uh, plenty, like like I was wondering if maybe this was one of those kind of movies where it's like, or yeah. even I think like if you look back at what Hot American Summer in two thousand one, like all those people are superstars in comedy now. So anyway, uh, like Bradley Cooper's first performance ever, uh, but but Amy Poehler's in that and um, H John Benjamin, uh, Paul Rudd, Michael Showalter, Ken Marino, Elizabeth Banks we mentioned earlier. Anyway, I was wondering if that was one of these situations where you're like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a big deal at the time, but it is in hindsight. So, nope, it was a big deal at the time. So, I will shut up now. <laughs> Next month, was... we'll be talking about the color purple. Luke will be joining us nice. for our goats. Um, we already talked about where we ranked in our list and all that stuff. So, I think that does it for that segment. You ready to move on to the B-plot? Yes, sir. Movies where the director was also an, a lead actor. Uh, again, I, I don't th- I don't see lead actor meaning like they have to be you know nominated for lead actor or anything. I just see like significant role in the film. So um, I asked for your opinion on at least one um, of these and you said I would have put that on if I liked that movie. So we will do this BEC style with uh, honorable mentions. So number five to number one, Trump rules. And we'll do some honorable mentions that we'll briefly mention at the very end. Um, let's um, start with your number five, Robert. Do the right thing. Spike yeah, Lee, good pick. writer, director, star. Uh, really good performance. Re- really great movie. Yeah. Iconic. Yep. Important. Honorable mentions for me. Um, for sure. I need. I really need to give that one another shot. I think I'm going to like it a lot more. On a very similar note, I have Tropic Thunder at number five. Oh, jeez. <laughs> very similar note yeah ben stiller directing this one um i think tropic thunder is just one of the best comedies of the last however long um and it's only one that gets better every time i watch it and i haven't seen it a terribly terrible too many times like maybe four but i love it every time i watch it and it's it's it grows on me every time i watch it Um, i actually really didn't like it the first time i watched it but i I thought it was just way too vulgar for the sake of being vulgar and then res it is a little too vulgar but like it's also kind of the point like it's parodying itself you know anyway yeah you're number four rocky two the first one that 
Stallone Direct is also the second best one of the entire franchise, including the Creed movies, I think. Uh, it starts to get, it starts to get a little goofy, like the rest yeah. of the franchise is, but it's still kind of down to earth and sincere and human and a drama before it. Yeah. every other scene is a <laughs> montage. I really liked Rocky too when I yeah, watched it's great because I watched them all like after we talked about the first Rocky. Uh, I think I have I think I have Crean as my favorite of the franchise. Um, I have Rocky Balboa in honorable mentions, so um, I like Rocky Balboa a, a lot. Yeah. So my number four is Argo. So I had best that, picture uh, honorable winner. mentions also. Yeah, it's a movie that I haven't seen in a while, but it was one of those that like I saw in 2012, and I was like, yeah, this is this is. The, the reason movies are made this is awesome it's it's certainly like embellished in certain points and that doesn't really bug me like too much while watching the movie but it's one of those that like every second i'm watching it, it's just like yeah this is incredible great movie so um your number three easily the most recent it's shithouse which another romantic ish movie that has a bad ending but i still love it otherwise because the rest of it is so good yeah cooper rafe is two for two would have been an honorable mention for me, but I figured no reason writing it down because it's going to be on that Robert's list. Um, so this is where I have Jojo Rabbit. This is the aforementioned. Um, you don't like that this movie enough to be on this list or an honorable mentions. I love Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi directing it and playing Hitler. Jojo. This is the one I asked. Like, is is he in a big? Is he in a big? In a, Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi playing imaginary Hitler. This is one of those I was wondering. Like, is he in enough of the movie to count? And I think he is. Like, he is a. He he is on the poster, not as director. Like I feel, I feel like that's a good that's a good indicator. If he's like, it's 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 the two Thomas and McKendie and Rowan Griffith Davis. Roman, yeah, Roman Griffin Davis. Yeah, he's on the you know it, them them two obviously, and then you got Scarlett Johansson, probably Sam Rockwell, higher build than him, but probably that's it. Then Taika. So yep, that's where I have that. No Trump rules. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna get there. Um, Robert, what's your number two? Uh, Singing in the Rain, which is another great one. Who directed yeah. that one? Who directed it? Gene Kelly was a co-director on it, and oh. he's the lead. So yeah, no, yeah, he's the lead. I was like, I guess I didn't remember that. That probably would have made my list. Yeah, yeah. If you want to hear me talk about Singing in the Rain on this podcast, go listen to an older episode where we devote much more time to it. Yeah, that would have for sure made five or four for me. Rather for two, I have Iron Man, John Favreau directing. Oh, that's another one. That's a Jojo yeah. Rabbit one, isn't it? Yeah, that that was the other one I, I had listed. I was like, I, I had it off initially, but I'm like, if we're counting Taika for that, then I think we can count. I, I wouldn't count. He didn't direct Iron Man 3, but I feel like Happy Hogan isn't in enough of Iron Man 3 because he gets taken out pretty quickly. Um, and then he's in a hospital for the rest of the movie. But but those first two, he's very much a part of them. Iron uh, Man and... 3, Shane Black's only good movie. <laughs> so, yeah, Iron Man uh, is one of my picks, so... That leads us to a number one, and, and if we have the same one, I will be so surprised. Robert, what do you have? The town. Okay, now honorable okay, mention for me okay. only because um, I, I went back. You prefer and forth. Argo? Yeah, I went back and forth on whether the town or Argo was going to be in my spot, and I I love the town. I think it's so good. Yeah, I like I like the the crime drama aspect of the town more than I do the embellished history aspect of Argo. Argo feels more like an awards bait movie than yeah, the yeah. town, which feels very much just like I'm going to make a crime thriller and it's a great, I crime feel thriller. like if, if this is legitimately like we're, we, we, we do these lists, like we call them best ever, but we do these based off all our favorites, at least in, at least in terms of this podcast, I feel like 
if we were legitimately wanting to say the best, I feel like this would be the number one. Hmm. It, it's really well made. I mean, really well acted. Jeremy Renner, Blake Lively, really good performance there. Rebecca Hall, Ben Affleck. Who am I missing? John Hamm. John Hamm, that's the one. I'm like, there's another huge name that's really good. And yeah, excellent screenplay. Um, yeah, really great movie. My number one is Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that until we started doing that. I, I forgot that Akiva Schaefer and uh, Jorma Tacone did directed yep. it. <laughs> yeah, I was scrolling through my list and I was like, is this really going to be? No-? Yep, I, I guess because I went by my favorites list and I, I kept on going down and then you know, I see a bunch of things. I'm like, okay, but they didn't direct it. They just, or they didn't um, star in it. They just wrote and directed. And that's a different list is auteur directors. Pop star is so good. I know you watched it since the last time we talked about it. And I've seen I don't it think twice you like now. it as much as me, but <laughs> well, I like it for the lulls, you know, I don't, yeah, th- I don't think there's too much else there, but I will say I was making dinner last week and I was listening to <laughs> the pop star soundtrack while I was making dinner. And, uh-huh. Yeah. It's, Dude, it's the- great. Popstar soundtrack was like all that I listened to in 2016. I think so, man. Andy Samberg and the rest of the Lonely Lonely Island guys, they could have put their talent into making chart topping, you know, just generic pop songs. But I'm so happy that they went this route. I'm so happy that they were born funny and musically talented too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But then I also love like, they make these ridiculous songs and then somehow get like Michael Bolton to be on it. I know. And, And like, Justin Timberlake. And, and they seem to have a great relationship with Adam Levine, who's been on a few of their right. songs. Yeah, Adam Levine. I think Kendrick Lamar was on yeah, a couple Lamar of their songs. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar was on YOLO. Yeah, like like they get like a quite like mega stars. Like one of these days, Taylor Swift is going to be on a Lonely <laughs> Island track. And it's going to be like, yeah, yeah, like that makes sense. So, yep. So, yep, Popstar is my number one. Again, like if we're, tar- if, if we're talking in terms of quality for a movie, it's not going to make this list. Um, Cause you're right. It's, it's, it's got the lulls. And I think there's like some generic messaging going on, but yeah, it's, but yeah, it's generic it's, messaging it, about value your friends. Don't be a dick, but that's about right. it. But if we're talking legitimately best, best movies, then yeah, the town would be number one. And I, I, I know we both went by favorites. You know, I don't need to tell you don't go by, you know, go, go with your heart, not with your brain, you know? Mm-hmm. So honorable mentions. Um, I have one, two, three, four, five. I have one. And it's, well, I guess, <laughs> I guess you go with your one then. The Fablemans. <laughs> I have the kid. We talked about the kid. Oh, that's the one I accidentally deleted. See, I had I had my list of honorable mentions, and I went through and deleted the ones that I put on the actual list. But I deleted the mm. kid and left do the right thing on honorable mentions, and I couldn't remember what the actual one was. So yeah, I shared. That's how surprised I'm. Like I'm like we both really liked that one. Yep. <laughs> it, it barely missed my top five. So ditto on that. Yeah, this is where we were talking about Clint Eastwood. This is where I have Gran Torino. I really like Gran Torino. It's been a while since I've seen it, but that's the I haven't seen Million Dollar Baby, but apparently Robert hates that movie. I have seen Unforgiven twice and haven't liked it either time, um, but I'm still probably going to watch it a third time because I'm sure one of these days I'm going to really like it. It's got it's it's going to be one one of these days I'm going to like 2001 A Space Odyssey, too. But today is not that day. So, yeah, so I think. Yeah, the Grand Torino for sure is one for me. Um, a Quiet Place. Um, boo. Yeah, I know. But at least it's not A Quiet Place Part 2. Even more boo. <laughs> yep. That Thing You Do. Have you seen this one? No, I haven't. Who who directed that? Did Tom Hanks Tom direct Hanks. That? I didn't yeah. know that. I'll have to um, watch I think that I've only seen this. I've only seen this movie once now. Once. And it was right about the time I started this podcast, I think. Okay. And... 
it's really good. Uh, I mean, it's it's the story of a one-hit wonder. Tom Hanks is more of a supporting role, but like a pretty prominent supporting role. I'll bump that up on the watch list now. I, I actually didn't know that he directed it. Yeah, and screenplay. Yep. Okay. And the song, that thing you do, if you haven't already heard it, odds are you have. But like, it's a it's an earworm. But yeah, it's it's the story of a one-hit wonder. <laughs> like, and it's kind of, like that's what it's supposed to be. You know. Yeah. Oh, a million bands that we're... Uh, and the last one I have is Chef, another John Favreau. Mm. Um, so making my honorable mention. So I'm I sure there's about more. The, the Chef food truck for my answer earlier, <laughs> but that's for the what movie oh, car? Yeah. yeah. As long as John, John Favreau's cooking in the back, you know. Yeah. Um, does he come with the car? So yes. Yeah. Oh, him and, cool. Him and his and his uh, social media son. <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like um, probably some more that could have been listed. But I, again, like honorable mentions, the point is not to mention every movie, but the ones that you really like, the ones that the ones that even when you just first saw it, you're like, I could probably make my top five. So, um, Chef, I really, I was between Tropic Thunder and Chef for that number five spot. So. Chef's really good. Yep. Like that's the feel goodiest feel good movie ever. Like barely any conflict and it's just like wraps up so perfectly. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, not a criticism either. It's just, yeah, just what it is. Well, that takes us to the spinoff then. Robert, what is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to tell everybody to check out or to stay away from? I'm going to uh, break the rules a little bit. I'm going to do a threefer and I'll <gasps> make it quick. Fine. Joe Swanberg and Jake Johnson have written three movies together that Joe Swanberg directed and Johnson starred in. Um, and I watched them all for the first time in the last couple of weeks. Drinking Buddies, okay. Digging for Fire, and Win, Win, it all, Win It All. and I enjoyed them all. They have that little mumblecore uh, vibe. Johnson's really good. He's not quite the thing that you know him from, like with New Girl. He he adds a little bit more layer to his, you know, celebrity persona. Drinking Buddies is a nice hangout movie where there's some conflict. Digging for Fire is a nice movie about marriage um, and the 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 thing that brings you the things that bring you passion in life. And Win It All is a nice chaser to the shot of uncut gems. So, uh, yeah, check those out. They're all like 90 minutes each. Is is there a reason that you binge them all? Like, is there a new movie coming out by this duo? No, mostly it's just that I uh, sometimes it gets to that point in the night where I want to watch a movie, but it's too late to watch something long. And mm. uh, I've been searching for brief ones. And these w- ones are all interested in me. And we're, like I said, 85, 90 minutes. So, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to find that like really solid 90 minute movie anymore yeah. yeah my my wife and i wanted to watch a movie the other day and she's like just throw on any action movie and we like pulled out a couple but they were like between two and two and a half hours yeah. and we didn't have that much time we're like fine let's just scroll some scroll voodoo until you find the first 90 minute action movie and crank comes up and i'm like <laughs> all right like if if you're in for the 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 best bad movie you've ever seen in your whole life like terrible movie most entertaining bad movie you've ever seen in your life then throw it on and we did nice. that's exactly what we got um and there's your spin-off that's not right what my, oh. that's not what my spinoff is though robert uh, would you like to hear about a video game that uh is a nostalgia trip but 100 percent actually great not just a nostalgia trip or a video game that is way better than it had any right to be uh the second one okay um so as talked about a couple weeks ago on the podcast, I picked up a couple of games at a video game store because I heard surprisingly good things about these two. One of them is the Captain America game that came out on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. 
and it's a movie tie-in, but it's not like, you know, you play the levels from the movies. Mm-hmm. It's kind of good. Like, it's, it's quote, Arkham Light. Like, this came out after Arkham, so it's like, yeah, they're clearly, like, trying to do kind of an Arkham-style thing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like a one-location, like, story. And you've got a bunch of mini-bosses and obviously Red Skulls at the top. But, like, anyway, I was like, it's... It's not right. It's not great, right? It's not anywhere near the Arkham games, but I just expect every movie video game tie in there has ever been has been terrible. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing decent things about the Incredible Hulk one, which is the one I picked up. But uh, but I was talking with Joe about this because he said he actually like worked on that game. He did quality assurance. And um, sure enough, his name came in the credits as I uh, was um, was watching it. But I messaged him afterwards. I'm like, dude, that game is actually pretty good. The only problem is. It has a really slow frame rate, but what else do you expect from games in 2011? He's like, yeah, like he's like surprisingly good frame rate is for sure a problem. But yeah, it's like so way better than it had any right to be. It's not it's not great by any means. But like if you have a PlayStation and you come across that for five bucks at your store, like it's a six hour campaign that's worth your five bucks. So anyway, nice. The uh, the nostalgia ones I was going to say is I played Tony Hawk's Underground one and two and they are awesome. So there's your brief. They hold up. That's a wrap. Remember, you can check out Robert on Twitter and in anywhere that he wants to send you from Twitter, he will. Underscore Optos. The dark web. Uh, I'll have that in the episode description. Uh, I'll also, you can follow me on Twitter, Letterboxd, at Schweitcastle. And quick reminder, stu- Studio Studio DNA is part of the Sith Pop Writers Room Network. I, dude, I've been meaning to just record this outro and put it in the soundboard for like a month now, and I just haven't. Quick reminder, the Studio Sith <laughs> it again. Quicker by the Sif Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for Sif Pop, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, send us a question to explore during the B-plot, writersroom at sifpop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify if you're listening over there. On next week's podcast, I have Alex and Jonathan joining me to talk about Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane. Fun fact, I've seen 10 Cloverfield Lane, but never Cloverfield. Yeah. Um, so... It'll be fun. So one of them is a first watch and one of them is a it's been since 2017 that I've seen Cloverfield Lane. So um, and in two weeks, unfortunately, Joe and I will be talking about The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the movie that made Sean Connery retire. As I mentioned earlier, Oscars review episode March 10th or 11. One of those two patrons will get it a day early. Um, But uh, yeah, coming out Oscars weekend. And then next month, review roundup coming up soon. Also. Oh, yeah. Review roundup coming up. That'll be next Saturday, like not this week, but next week. That'll be March 4th. Yeah. One day early for patrons as well over there. Um, So uh, who you got on this month? Chantel. Ooh, nice. Exciting. We're going to talk about actually not that much compared to the last couple months. Cocaine Bear for sure, though. Cocaine Bear for sure. Ant-Man for sure. 80 for Brady for sure. Knock at the Cabin for sure. Maybe a couple others. I think Chantel is going to be a perfect pit for that, you know, because you got the Shyamalan and you have the 80 for Brady plus Ant-Man which he's a big Jonathan Major stan mm-hmm. that's gonna be a fun episode I can't wait yeah and then lastly next month Robert and I uh, will be joined by Luke to talk about the color program. so that'll do it for this week thanks for Robert for hanging out really appreciate your time uh, of course anytime 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 but for now I have to get back to the writer's room <laughs>